Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Saturday, October 29th. Shabbat Shalom! Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit, as it is written in Romans 10.17. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken word of God, it is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we finish up the Torah portion, Noah, and it means rest. Genesis 11, 1-32 Everyone on earth had the same language and the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon a valley in the valley of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them hard. Bricks served them as stone, and bitumen served them as mortar. And they said, Come, let us build a city and a tower with its top in the sky to make a name for ourselves, else we shall be scattered all over the world. Hashem came down to look at the city and tower that man had built. And Hashem said, If as one people with one language for all, this is how they have begun to act, then nothing that they may propose to do will be out of their reach. Let us then go down and confound their speech there, so that they shall not understand one another's speech. Thus Hashem scattered them from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there Hashem confounded the speech of the whole earth, and from there Hashem scattered them over the face of the whole earth. This is the line of Shem. Shem was 100 years old when he begot Arpachshad, two years after the flood. After the birth of Arpachshad, Shem lived five hundred years and begot sons and daughters. When Arpachshad had lived thirty-five years, 
he begot Shelok. After the birth of Shelok, Arpachshad lived 403 years and begot sons and daughters. When Shelok had lived 30 years, he begot Ever. After the birth of Ever, Shelok lived 403 years and begot sons and daughters. When Ever had lived 34 years, he begot Peleg. After the birth of Peleg, Ever lived 430 years and begot sons and daughters. When Peleg had lived 30 years, he begot Ru. After the birth of Ru, Peleg lived 209 years and begot sons and daughters. When Ru had lived 32 years, he begot Serug. After the birth of Serug, Ru lived 207 years and begot sons and daughters. When Serug had lived 30 years, he begot Nacor. After the birth of Nacor, Serug lived 200 years and begot sons and daughters. When Nacor had lived 29 years, he begot Terah. After the birth of Terah, Nacor lived 119 years and begot sons and daughters. When Terah had lived 70 years, he begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now this is the line of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. Haran died in the lifetime of his father Terah in his native land, Ur of the Chaldees. Abram and Nahor took to themselves wives, the name of Abram's wife being Sarai, and that of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Isaac. Now Sarai was barren, she had no child. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and they set out together from Ur of Chaldees for the land of Canaan. But when they had come as far as Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah came to two hundred and five years, and Terah died in Haran. Lamentations 1, 1 to 2, 22. Alas, lonely sits the city once great with people. She that was great among nations is become like a widow. The princess among states is become a thrall. Bitterly she weeps in the night, her cheek wet with tears. There is none to comfort her of all her friends. All her allies have betrayed her. They have become her foes. Yehuda has gone into exile because of misery and harsh oppression. When she settled among the nations, she found no rest. All her pursuers overtook her in the narrow places. Zion's roads are in mourning, empty of festival pilgrims. All her gates are deserted. Her kohanim sigh, her maidens are unhappy. She is utterly disconsolate. Her enemies are now the masters. Her foes are at ease, because Hashem has afflicted her for her many transgressions. Her infants have gone into captivity before the enemy. Gone from fair Zion are all that were her glory. Her leaders were like stags that found no pasture. They could only walk feebly before the pursuer. 
All the precious things she had in the days of old Jerusalem recalled in her days of woe and sorrow, when her people fell by enemy hands, with none to help her, when enemies looked on and gloated over her downfall. Jerusalem has greatly sinned, therefore she has become a mockery. All who admired her despise her, for they have seen her disgraced, and she can only sigh and shrink back. Her uncleanness clings to her skirts. She gave no thought to her future. She has sunk appallingly with none to comfort her. See, Hashem, my misery, how the enemy jeers. The foe has laid hands on everything dear to her. She has seen her sanctuary invaded by nations which you have denied admission into your community. All her inhabitants sigh as they search for bread. They have bartered their treasures for food to keep themselves alive. See, Hashem, and behold how abject I have become. May it never befall you, all who pass along the road. Look about and see. Is there any agony like mine, which was dealt out to me when Hashem afflicted me on his day of wrath? From above he sent a fire down into my bones. He spread a net for my feet. He hurled me backward. He has left me forlorn in constant misery. The yoke of my offenses is bound fast, lashed tight by his hand. Imposed upon my neck, it saps my strength. Hashem has delivered me into the hands of those I cannot withstand. Hashem in my midst has rejected all my heroes. He has proclaimed a set time against me to crush my young men. As an oppress, Hashem has trodden fair maiden, Yehuda. For these things I do weep. My eyes flow with tears. Far from me is any comforter who might revive my spirit. My children are forlorn, for the foe has prevailed. Zion spreads out her hands. She has no one to comfort her. Hashem has summoned against Jacob his enemies all about him. Jerusalem has become among them a thing unclean. Hashem is in the right, for I have disobeyed him. Hear, all you peoples, and behold my agony. My maidens and my youths have gone into captivity. I cried out to my friends, but they played me false. My Kohanim and my elders have perished in the city as they searched for food to keep themselves alive. See, Hashem, the distress I am in. My heart is in anguish. I know how wrong I was to disobey. Outside the sword deals death, indoors the plague. When they heard how I was sighing, there was none to comfort me. All my foes heard of my plight and exulted. For it is your doing. You have brought on the day that you threatened. Oh, let them become like me. Let all their wrongdoing come before you and deal with them, as you have dealt with me for all my transgressions, for my sighs are many, and my heart is sick. 
Alas, Hashem in his wrath has shamed fair Zion, has cast down from heaven to earth the majesty of Israel. He did not remember his footstool on his day of wrath. Hashem has laid waste without pity all the habitations of Jacob. He has raised in his anger fair Yehuda's strongholds. He has brought low in dishonor the kingdom and its leaders. In blazing anger he has cut down all the might of Israel. He has withdrawn his right hand in the presence of the foe. He has ravaged Jacob like flaming fire consuming on all sides. He bent his bow like an enemy, poised his right hand like a foe. He slew all who delighted the eye. He poured out his wrath like fire in the tent of fair Zion. Hashem has acted like a foe. He has laid waste Israel, laid waste all her citadels, destroyed her strongholds. He has increased within fair Yehuda mourning and moaning. He has stripped his booth like a garden. He has destroyed his mishkan. Hashem has ended in Zion festival. And Shabbat, in his raging anger, he has spurned king and Kohen. Hashem has rejected his mitzbayach, disdained his sanctuary. He has handed over to the foe the walls of its citadels. They raised a shout in the house of Hashem, as on a festival day. Hashem resolved to destroy the wall of fair Zion. He measured with a line, refrained not from bringing destruction. He has made wall and rampart to moan. Together they languish. Her gates have sunk into the ground. He has smashed her bars to bits. Her king and her leaders are in exile. Instruction is no more. Her Nevi'im, too, received no vision from Hashem. Silent sit on the ground the elders of fair Zion. They have strewn dust on their heads and girded themselves with sackcloth. The maidens of Jerusalem have bowed their heads to the ground. My eyes are spent with tears. My heart is in tumult. My being melts away over the ruin of my poor people, as babes and sucklings languish in the squares of the city. They keep asking their mothers, Where is bread and wine? As they languish like battle-wounded in the squares of the town, as their life runs out in their mothers' bosoms. What can I take as witness or liken to you, O fair Jerusalem? What can I match with you to console you, O fair maiden Zion? For your ruin is vast as the sea. Who can heal you? Your seers prophesied to you delusion and folly. They did not expose your iniquity so as to restore your fortunes, but prophesied to you oracles of delusion and deception. All who pass your way clap their hands at you. They hiss and wag their head at fair Jerusalem. Is this the city that was called perfect in beauty, joy of all the earth? All your enemies jeer at you, They hiss and gnash their teeth and cry, We've ruined her! Ah, this is the day we hoped for! We have lived to see it! Hashem has done what He purposed, has carried out the decree that He ordained long ago. He has torn down without pity. He has left, let the foe rejoice over you, and has exalted the might of your enemies. 
Their heart cried out to Hashem, O wall of fair Zion, shed tears like a torrent day and night. Give yourself no respite, your eyes no rest. Arise, cry out in the night at the beginning of the watches. Pour out your heart like water in the presence of Hashem. Lift up your hands to Him for the life of your infants who faint for hunger at every street corner. See, Hashem, and behold, to whom you have done this. Alas, women eat their own fruit, their newborn babes. Alas, Kohen and Navi are slain in the sanctuary of Hashem. Prostrate in the streets lie both young and old. My maidens and youths are fallen by the sword. You slew them on your day of wrath. You slaughtered without pity. You summoned us as on a festival, my neighbors from round about. On the day of wrath of Hashem, none survived or escaped. Those whom I bore and reared, my foe has consumed. Philemon 1, 1-25 Paul, a prisoner of Yeshua, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Yeshua HaMashiach. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Yeshua and toward all saints, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, in Yeshua. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, though I might be much bold in Yeshua to enjoin you that which is convenient, yet, for love's sake, I rather beseech you, being such as one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Yeshua, I beseech you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to you unprofitable but now profitable to you and to me, whom I have sent again. You therefore receive him that is my own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in your stead he might have ministered to me in the bonds of the gospel. But without your mind would I do nothing, that your benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that you should receive him forever, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a beloved brother, specially to me, but how much more unto you both in the flesh and in the Lord. If you count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he has wronged you or owes you aught, put that on my account. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to you how you owe unto me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy of you in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I wrote to you, knowing that you will also do more than I say. But withal, prepare me also a lodging, 
for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given to you. There salute you Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Yeshua, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Yeshua be with your spirit. Amen. Psalm 101, 1-8 I will sing of mercy and judgment. Unto you, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. O when will you come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privily slanders his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that has a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that tells lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. Proverbs 26.20 Where no wood is, there the fire goes out. So where there is no tail-bearer, the strife ceases. I want to speak to you today from the book of Lamentations, and I'm going to read to you from the introduction to this book from the Israel Bible. This introduction and commentary is from Rabbi Noam Shapiro. So the author of Lamentations is Jeremiah, and he's weeping and mourning and lamenting the destruction of Jerusalem, and particularly the destruction of the temple. And Megillat Ica Lamentations. <coughs> In Megillat Ica Lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah records his impressions of the destruction of Jerusalem and the first Beit Hamikdash temple, and the exile of Jews from the land of Israel. It is a very emotional book in which the prophet expresses feelings of intense loneliness, a sense of utter abandonment, desolation, desecration of that which was sacred, pain and suffering. There are times when Jeremiah even seems to challenge Hashem for allowing this to happen. Yet the book also contains elements of prayer, faith, and hope. How did it happen? What led to the great destruction of the Holy Land and the exile of the Jews? Throughout the Bible, the Jews are told that Eretz Israel is their eternal inheritance, but that living in the land is dependent upon following God and His Torah. The prophets warn again and again that continuing to sin, abandoning Hashem, and treating others inappropriately will lead to destruction and exile. Ultimately, that is what happened. However, Jeremiah also reminds us that Hashem did not abandon His people and His land even though he destroyed the place where they connect to him most. Their new challenge is to find Hashem and rebuild their connection with him, even in exile. Admits the mourning, sorrow, and misery of, Jerem- 
of Lamentations, there are elements of faith and optimism. In the middle of chapter 3, the prophet declares, The kindness of Hashem has not ended. His mercies are not spent. He continues a little further in the chapter, For Hashem does not reject forever, but first afflicts and then pardons in his abundant kindness. For he does not willfully bring grief or affliction to man. Lamentations 3, 31 and 33. Jeremiah reminds us that destruction and exile from the land of Israel is not an indication of a divorce between Hashem and his nation. Rather, the exile is meant to serve a rehabilitative function. It is meant to trigger introspection, evaluation of our behavior and relationship with Hashem, and to lead us to recommit ourselves to God and to each other. Indeed, Jeremiah himself composes a letter to the exiles in which he gives them the guidelines for surviving in exile and promises redemption if they call out to Hashem. Similarly, the Talmud relates that a number of leading sages were visiting Jerusalem following the destruction of the temple, and they came upon the ruins of the Temple Mount. Seeing a jackal scamper across the holiest site in the world, three of the four rabbis started to cry. The great Rabbi Akiva, on the other hand, began to laugh joyously. Shocked, the others asked him to explain his behavior. Rabbi Akiva replied that if the prophecies of destruction have so clearly been fulfilled, we can be certain that the promises of redemption will also be fulfilled. Megillot Aika therefore calls on us to search and examine our ways and turn back to Hashem. It ends with a call to the Lord to fulfill those prophecies of redemption and renew our days as of old. The Talmud teaches that those who participate in mourning for the destruction of Jerusalem will participate in rejoicing over its rebuilding. Throughout the cycle of life, Jews express sorrow for the fact that the temple is no longer with us, and that, as a result, God's presence is more distant. For this reason, a glass is broken at Jewish weddings to remember Jerusalem, even at the happiest of occasions. And once a year, on the ninth of Av, the mourning for Jerusalem and the temple is particularly vivid. For more than twenty-four hours it is forbidden to eat or drink. Jews sit on the floor as an expression of mourning and recall the events surrounding the destruction by reciting Megillat Aika and other prayers of lament, as if the tragedy had just happened. In this way it is possible to come to grips with what has been lost. Lamentations is the text that best expresses our broken hearts as we have called out again and again, Aika, alas, or how did this happen? For almost 2,000 years, Jews have mourned over the destruction of Jerusalem and the Temple. In modern times, we have begun to experience the rebirth of the land of Israel and the Holy City. May we quickly see Hashem's comfort and the fulfillment of the rest of the redemption through the coming of the Messiah and the building of the third temple. Now, that was written by a Jewish rabbi, and I want to add a bit to his commentary. 
we look forward to the second coming of the Messiah, Yeshua. And we do look forward to this third temple, which is spoken of in Ezekiel chapters 44, 45, 46, 47. There will be a third temple. And Yeshua will rule and reign for a thousand years from Zion, from Jerusalem. Also, I want to note that there is an awesome group of people that have come together and now um, gather in Jerusalem on the 9th of Av. It's called the Nation's 9th of Av, and the website is the number 9-av.com. And the first time they met on the 9th of Av in Jerusalem was in 2019. And Christians from all over the nations, of all streams, all denominations, from the Evangelical Sisters of Mary, to Catholics, to Evangelicals, to Hebrew Roots and Messianic people, they all came together on that day to mourn, to weep, to wail, and to repent for the sins that Christians have committed against Jews over the centuries, that our church forefathers have committed many great sins, persecutions, pogroms, crusades, holocaust. All of these have been perpetuated against the Jews, often in the name of Christ. And so it was a day of great solemn repentance. And this action. It ha- it, we also did it in 2020, and it was a remote virtual event because of the lockdown and the pandemic. And then it was done again in 2021 and in 2022. So it's a call for all of us to weep and to mourn over the loss of the temple. Not that we worship a building. We worship the one who once inhabited that building. We, we long for the Shekinah, the glory, the Shekinah glory and presence, the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, the very presence of the Lord to, to come back and to return. The Temple Mount is a very holy place, and right now it is in enemy hands. It's in the hands of the Arabs, and Jews are not permitted to even pray up there. And just recently, there was a news headline where Yair Lapid, who is the temporary transitional prime minister of Israel, who leans to the far left, he came out and said, there will be no Jews on the Temple Mount who can pray. We will not allow prayer by Jews on the Temple Mount. And God has called that place to be, when Solomon dedicated the first temple, he's called it to be a place of prayer for all the nations. So the Arabs, the Muslims are allowed to be up there and they can pray, but not Jews and not Christians. So one day, this great injustice will be corrected. The Lord will correct this. I invite you to join with the nation's ninth of Av next year on the ninth of Av, which it typically falls sometime in the month of August. You'll have to look at a calendar to see when the ninth of Av is for 2023. But join with us. If you're not able to make it to Jerusalem, there are ways to participate online for this day of prayer, because what this is doing is dismantling the wall 
of hostility and misunderstanding between Jews and Christians. It's dismantling that wall and building a bridge. Okay, continuing on in Lamentations, let's jump into the book itself. Chapter 1, verse 2. Bitterly she weeps in the night, her cheek wet with tears. There is none to comfort her of all her friends. All her allies have betrayed her. They have become her foes. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Jewish history has demonstrated time and time again just how drastically friends can indeed turn into enemies. Ever since the biblical account of Pharaoh inviting Joseph's family down to Egypt, which eventually led to the bitter enslavement of the Israelites, we have seen one host country after another turn against her Jewish subjects. In the last century, for example, Jews were active contributors in all realms of European society, politicians, academics, doctors, lawyers, artists, and more. It was thus all the more devastating when, in 1935, Adolf Hitler's power steadily growing, the Nuremberg Laws were passed. These laws called for clear genetic definitions regarding who is a Jew, and all those defined as Jews were denied the right to German citizenship, demonstrating how dramatically a friend can turn into an enemy. In contrast, Israel's law of return was modified in 1970 to include anyone who would have been defined as a Jew under the Nuremberg Laws. According to the current law, anyone born a Jew, a child of a Jew, or grandchild of a Jew, and their spouses all have the right to attain citizenship in the state of Israel if they so desire. Now, I'd like to add to that commentary. That's wonderful that there is now a homeland, a haven, and a safe place for Jews to make Aliyah and return to. But it's not complete. Who is Yeshua's covenant family? His covenant family is the house of Jacob. The house of Jacob includes all twelve tribes. We have northern kingdom and southern kingdom. The southern kingdom is Judah and Benjamin, Judah the Jews. The northern kingdom, Zebulun, Ephraim, Issachar, Dan, and so forth. The non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel. We are grafted in by faith. We are, um, it's like we have been, we're naturalized citizens of the commonwealth of Israel. Look at Romans 11. We are the wild branches. The Jewish people are the natural branches. And so right now, if you're not Jewish and you're not willing to convert to Judaism, which you shouldn't do, you don't want to deny Yeshua, you can visit Israel for up to 90 days as a tourist and then you have to leave. So a way has not yet been made for the northern kingdom the ten tribes of the north, those of us who have been grafted into the commonwealth of Israel by faith, Romans 11. A way has not yet been made for us to make Aliyah and return home, but that is going to change. God is going to orchestrate circumstances in such a way that there will come a day when our brother Judah says, Ephraim, 
come home. Joseph, come home. Those of you who love the God of Israel and his Torah, come home. And they will make, they, there will be that cry, and we will be allowed to return. Until then, a big part of Israel, Israel's people, are still scattered to the nations. We are like Joseph. We're still stuck in Egypt. But that is going to change, hopefully, in our lifetime. Let's look at the next verse, chapter 1, verse 15. For these, no, verse 16, for these things do I weep. My eyes flow with tears. Far from me is any comforter who might revive my spirit. My children are forlorn, for the foe has prevailed. The sages explain that Hashem intentionally selected the ninth of the month of Av as the day on which both the first and second temples would be destroyed. According to Jewish tradition, the reason for this is that it was on the ninth of Av that the twelve spies returned from their mission to scout out the land of Israel. As reported in Numbers, following the spies' pessimistic and libelous report, the people fearfully cried out to God, How will we ever conquer the land? Why did you take us out of Egypt to die at the hands of the Canaanites? The sages record God's reprimand of the people for their lack of faith. You cried on the ninth of all for no reason, and so this day will become a day of crying for all generations. The events surrounding the destruction of the temple are linked back to the biblical account of the twelve spies, to illustrate that all of Jewish history is inexorably interwoven. It all represents the unfolding of Hashem's master plan. Furthermore, we must never forget that one of the keys to the rebuilding of the temple and the commencement of the Messianic era is our unquestioning trust in God and appreciation for Ere of Israel. This is the very trait that the spies and nation failed to exhibit when they rejected his land, and it is one which we must constantly seek to achieve. So, let me reiterate something. It was on the ninth of Av that the ten spies came back and gave the negative report to the people. It was on the ninth of Av that the first temple was destroyed in 586 B.C., by Nebuchadnezzar and his invading army. It was on the 9th of Av in 70 AD when the Roman general Titus and his army uh, destroyed the second temple. It was on the 9th of Av that the final solution to the Jewish problem was given to Adolf Hitler, and then they began to implement it. It was on the 9th of Av that Treblinka, one of the death camps with the gas chambers, went operational. It was on the 10th of Av that the Gaza Strip eviction was mandated and the Jews were kicked out of Gaza. And it was originally scheduled for the 9th of Av and they realized, oops, we better not do it on that day. And so this day of mourning and sorrow, it, it there's like all these events have happened on that particular day, but God has a promise for us that he's going to turn this day of mourning and sorrow into a day of joy and celebration for Judah. How might he accomplish that? Again, 
I believe it's when Christians, non-Jews, Hebrews, Messianics, Evangelicals, when we gather and we repent over the sins that have been done against the Jewish people, that this day can flip from being a day of mourning and sorrow and grief to a day of joy and celebration for Judah. Check it out at the website, the uh, number 9-av.com. Have a blessed day and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.